Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And if you're wondering which of us has the velvety mic, it's me. It ain't me. I, In fact, I don't even think I have the mic that comes with your Apple plan. I think I got the Chinese, the cheap one that comes from Amazon.com. I hate That's to what be I the one to tell you this, but thanks for opening up a can of pop on the podcast. I mean, don't pop. do it before we start. drink pop. I drink, uh, I drink uh, black cherry flavored water, my friend. New sponsor of the podcast, uh, Soleil. Enjoy signature select from Bonds. I was just gonna say that. Uh, by the way, all Apple devices are made in China, so don't be blaming China. I know, but there's like you know how like there's the ones that Apple gets, and they're supposedly you can tell the difference. You can tell the difference in how they work and how they feel. So I thought I was being clever. I was like, hey, I'm just going straight to the source and buying Chinese uh, direct. I, I tell you what, though, it has worked for Legos. Never mind that Boba Fett has a Darth Vader helmet. Never mind that uh, I just won't go there. Never mind. I don't know where you went, but it was pleasant for me to to sit back and enjoy. Hey, uh, so let's get on to the important stuff. By the way, guys, if this is your first time tuning in, this is what we call Smack Talk. Don't worry. We're going to get some church planning goodness in a minute. But until then... This is how Peyton and I catch up on each other's lives, and you just happen to get to tune in for a half hour of it. So, uh, Star Wars trailer, go. Man. Uh, uh, what do I say? I have faith in J.J. Pete. You know that. I'm a J.J. fan. But uh, I watched it, and I was like, hmm. You know, I felt better about the new film coming up before I saw this. Really? It didn't get me in the feels, as the millennial kids like to say. 
Really? I actually yeah. was for the first time. Okay, I might be a little bit excited about this one. Okay, tell me why. That's that's my alarm telling me to hop on a podcast with Pete Pete Mitchell. Apparently, it went on snooze. It just it it looked actually enjoy. I thought there was a, a heartbreaking moment in the trailer when C three PO says, "I just want to look at my friends one I last know. time." Yeah, I mean, that was okay. Yeah, fair enough. Little that little, was little uh, tear jerker moment in a trailer. That was nice. Yeah. That was a bit uncalled for. Um, Don't do that to me. Yeah, then, that kind of uh, sucked. I wonder if he's getting shut down. I don't know, but remember in the last trailer, he had red eyes. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously happens before the red eyes. I believe C-3PO is going to sacrifice himself. To do what, do you think? I don't know, but I think he's going to sacrifice himself to do something to help them defeat the Emperor. Maybe he'll have a lightsaber shoot out of his head. Like R2-D2 did. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw it. I, I actually, just before the podcast, uh, had a Wayne here in my office. And I'm like, have you seen the new trailer? No. Okay, we got to watch it. And there's a scene where Ray and Kylo are both fighting. And what looks like yes, when you, you freeze it, yeah. it's Darth Vader. It's his armor. Yeah, it's his armor. And they, they shatter it together, which tells me their team. You know, that's the thing is I feel like they gave so many plot lines away in this trailer that I, I didn't want to see that. I want to be completely surprised by that. Do you think they're brother and sister? I, I absolutely hands down their brother and sister. Then doesn't that make the whole shirtless scene a little bit even more weird in the last movie? Or is that just a throwback to Luke and Leia? I was going to say, as weird as brother and sister kissing Empire, sure. <laughs> and him having the hots for in A New Hope. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Welcome to the Church Photo Noth- Podcast. <laughs> Nothing says incest like Star Wars. Oh, man, you just ruined the whole movie for me. <laughs> Yeah, they're brother and sister, and you know it's it's obvious to me. Who's mom and so dad? I'm, Who's mom and dad? Mom and dad. Ben and are, or Ben, not Ben. Uh, Solo and Mara Jade. And Mara Leia? Jade is yeah. It's Mara Jade and no, um, no. You think they're adopted, Ben? You think it's Ben and Mara so, Jade? Yeah, it's Mara Jade, and no, it's Mara Jade and Luke. Oh, you mom think and Luke? dad. Oh yeah, oh, Luke. Oh. See, these are Luke's yeah, not kids. Ben. Of course not, not Ben. No, because um, Han Solo, he's how do I put it? He he's not um, Adam Driver's dad. You know, Kylo. It's, he's not Ben's. You know, basically, Luke had two twins. He had twins. And wait, uh, wait, wait. He, how many twins are there? He had two of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, much happened. like when someone has three When we triplets. do an afternoon podcast, this is what happens, everybody. This is an afternoon podcast. It, it is an afternoon podcast. Welcome to Smack Talk. But, you know, it, it's funny, Pete, because my thought is he and Mara Jade, now that they brought the Emperor, I've been saying for a while, oh, these are Luke's kids. This is why Luke is so upset. And you guys have heard my, my theory on... Uh, the whole idea that these are twins. Twins run through the Star Wars universe, just like Luke and Leia were twins. They were separated for their own protection. 
Once they brought the Emperor back, I'm like, this is undoubtedly Luke and Leia. The only other possibility that could have happened is the Emperor has created two more Force kids, right? And that they're from unknown origin, that somehow somebody put them in uh, Leia's arms, and she knows why, and um, someone else. Because remember that little medallion? In the very opening scene of Episode Seven, The Force Awakens, and Kylo comes in that village to get it. Max von Sydow has this weird little amulet, and it's apparently something super important. And you never really learn what it is. What it's supposed to like spark the rebellion or whatever it is. And um, you know, we don't we don't entirely know what's going on. So my thought is that. We basically, there, there's a lot of mysteries going to be unpacked, but I still got to think this is brother and sister. They're twins. Yeah, could very well be. And I'll be really interested to see what role does the Emperor play in all of it. Was he Snoke? Yes. Oh, oh, you think, okay. And there's one scene where they show something kind of mechanical, and she's looking up. And I believe that the Emperor is going to be a lot like yeah. okay. um, yeah. Darth Vader now, where he's part mechanical. Um, whatever happened jacked him up in the mine shaft, you know, when they threw him yeah, down yeah, into yeah. the into the power vortex. He is now part mechanical. He's like Darth Vader now. Um, I don't think he's going to look like Vader, but I think there's going to be that throwback, and that's going to be so freaking rad to see the Emperor as some kind of cyborg like Darth Vader. More machine than man. Interesting. Huh. I kind of like I that. love that little dude that's working on uh, C-3PO, that little teeny critter that's like the mechanic that's fixing him. He's I hopping around remember. on the back of his head. Yeah. He's awesome. That's a that's a great creation. Huh. Um, what else? But you didn't Shoot. like it that much, huh? I thought it was great. Uh, you know, there were parts I liked. So what I liked was the opening where she's running through the jungle with a training orb, right. you know, the Jedi training orb yeah. that they use that shoot lasers. I love that she's been training nonstop, kind of like Luke. You know, she's driven to. Um, well, that's know, why we both knew off. there's the uh, the scene where she got a lightsaber with a hinge on it. And I was like, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. That's her vision, stupid. though. Yeah, it's that's going to be her vision. It's the it's the cave at Dagobah. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. that's that's all that was. And uh-huh. never even thought it was anything other than that. And she had that when she went into that pit on the island, which it's almost like, yeah, you know, like JJ's like, yeah, let's just pass through that. I was not happy that I saw them riding furry, more furry, four-legged space horses. Oh, come on. How can you not go wrong with more furry space horses? I was not happy that the equivalent of Jar Jar, which is Rose. You know, I like to call her Rose Jar. She's in this next, you know, no offense to her. She got a lot of abuse, and I don't mean to add to that. So if you're listening, Rose Jar, I'm sorry. It's not you. I love that there's Asian representation. It's none do, of that stuff. Do you stuff. think she's going to be a church planner? I think she's possibly listening. We never know. One never knows, Pete. And, you know, if she, if she's, I, I don't mean to hurt you, Rose Jar. It's just, you are the Jar Jar for this trilogy. I do apologize. You are. So, yeah. There's Interesting. that. 
Interesting. There was no Jar Jar for the original Star Wars. You realize that, right? They're like, Jawas, ah, first one only. Ewoks, ah, third one only. Right? Ugnaughts, second one only. This one, they're like, hey, let's take Jar Jar and run him to all three prequels. Let's take, you know, let's continue Rose. And I do think Rose is kind of like a nod. Like, you'd be like, well, where did Rose go? So they got to show her one brief scene. I don't think she's in it. Know what I'm saying? Well, we can always hope that she's not. <laughs> and no offense to her, because she was fine. She was just an unnecessary look, character. I'm not a, look, if you if you got hung up on the fact that you got given a bad role, you still got paid. So I, I have no sympathy oh, for you. Dude, I'd play Rose. I'd hey. play, me too. <laughs> you want you want you need a you need a rose? Hey, I'm in. Yeah. I'll be it. I'll kiss Finn. <laughs> too far? Always. You're always too far. Did I lose you, Pete? No, I'm right here. Can, can you hear me? Hello. Pete, what happened? Hello. 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 Pete. Hello. Peter. Peyton. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, what happened? I don't know. Did, did you lose my sound? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm leaving all, all right. of that in, by the way. Hey, that's fine. Not that's fine. cutting. I don't care. We're hey, already Tom. late on getting hey, this episode out. This is Nigel. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? That's true. So, uh, okay. So, uh, what about you, man? What are your predictions for this movie? <sighs> oh, sorry. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm really wondering how is JJ going to pull it off with uh, Ryan having ruined it, having ruined the entire Star Wars universe. So he pretty much did, yeah, almost single handedly did so. Yeah, I mean, like literally, best line ever was when you said he actually made the prequels look like Oscar winners. Oh yeah, and you're right. 100%. I would rather watch all three prequels back to back than watch episode eight, Last Jedi. Yeah, that's how bad it was. Easily. Yeah. It was bad. So, so yeah, I mean, when I saw when I saw this trailer, I'm like, okay, we're in a jungle, been there, done that. Okay. We're in now we're in Water Planet, been there, done that. Um now they have I a guess floating go- ice world that they, No, that's uh, cool. That's oh. cool. Yeah. I'm with you. That's it's always cool. Anything in space to me is going to be cool. So the the scene where they've got the the um, armada of um, star destroyers coming out of the water, that's where the emperor's been hiding them is deep underwater. So the fact that he brings those up and out because you know the Death Star probably had people are like, where did he get all those? Well, the Death Star was huge. There's a big chunk of it. There's obviously a bunch of Star Destroyers in that Death Star, and he just raises them up like, boom, you know? Um, you know, he just, hey, come on, my children, time to rise up. So he does that, which is pretty freaking rad. And uh, trying to think of what else. I mean, Billy D is going to be in it, so that's going to be cool, right? And we got Space Horses. I liked seeing uh, Chewbacca go to town on the Stormtroopers, just shooting them up. I didn't see that. They're in a hallway. He's running down the hall, and he is just—he's going to town. He's pretty bad to the bone. I mean, 
Okay, it was it was the uh, Han Solo film, which I thought was fantastic. See, wasn't it um, good? Yeah, and and that's where you get kind of the appreciation of Chewbacca as a fighter, which was great because they never really showed us that before. Right, and in that he's bad to the bone, man. Like Chewbacca's like. Even when like Han Solo grabs this and goes, I like this thing. Yeah, I know, it's right? A laser crossbow. Here's the so thing, that- though. It took him how many years to figure out that he liked it? You know? <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Um, did you see um, the Emperor's Throne in this commercial? Yeah, yeah. Looked like so, Game of Thrones Throne. Yeah, yeah. That that thing I'm thinking is. It kind of, to me, looked a bit like Snoke. It looked like Snoke's throne, you know, oh, okay. that we first see on. Not with the spikies coming out of it. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That was pretty cool. So, I, I think there's going to be a Snoke um, a Snoke connection. That's gonna so, but you don't think Snoke was really... I think it was the Emperor the whole time. I don't think... I, I do. Think Snoke I've always not, said that. It wasn't yeah. Snoke. It was the Emperor. I've literally said that from the beginning that I thought that Snoke was the emperor and that we would. Um, and then when I saw last Jedi, I'm like, Oh, he was a force projection. Figure that out in the movie simply because in the first one, he is a hologram the entire time. Every time you see him, he's a hologram in the second movie. Luke uses that force power. And in the second movie, I just think to myself, Snoke is a persona um, the emperor still around, and then boom! Lo and behold, the emperor. So it confirmed my original theory. Um, so I, I can't wait for all my predictions to come true. I wish I were betting money on this. Port search planners out there, if you want to bet a dollar on these things, I'm just saying I'm collecting. There's only one of me, and there's a ton of you. So I, I stand to to either win big or lose big. Huh? Interesting. I like it. I like where your head's at. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. I'm just saying. These things, you forget all my theories, huh? Remember no, my. No, I haven't forgotten them all. Okay. I hope they don't bring that one chick back with the goggles who's flying around the second one. I'm in a jetpack and I'm having a conversation while I'm freedom fighting some random battle on I this planet. I thought she was in the first one. Was she in the she second was, one? She was, and she was so dumb and unnecessary. And that's why I think. When that lightsaber called to her, she's Luke's daughter. That's why it was calling to her. Um, you know, it was Darth Vader's. It's hers. Um, the the only reason for that chick, and JJ said, oh, you'll see more of her later. Um, you know, and he debated putting more of her story. But she goes, that's another story for another time of how she came into contact. There's all this mystery, right, which I hope they do unpack. Who placed the kid on Jakku? Who gave the lightsaber to uh, her? Who gave... So there's always a sense, and they say it in the trailer that uh, Finn says in the beginning, the Force brought us together. Like the Force wants us to be together. And there is that sense that the Force has a will, right? It's kind of like the Lord of the Rings kind of deal. You know, the ring wants to be found. There's the sense that the Force has its plan, that it's working out. And uh, so knowing, I think Luke took that lightsaber just like it was kept by Ben Kenobi all those years, waiting for him to redeem his father. So Luke gives that lightsaber to that chick, knowing that one day the Force will bring her to her, 
uh, Ray to whatever that orange chick's name is, and she'll be able to um, get it to redeem her brother. It's like the same recurring patterns over and over. So are you going to see it opening night? That's the real question. That is the real question. I thought about that yesterday. You know, I'm not that kind of guy, really. I'm not the opening night kind of guy. I was wondering um, how many tickets I needed to pick up. Now I know it's just me and Luke. Thank you for letting me know. Well, you know, now that that gets interesting. I could <laughs> come down to the mother-in-law's. And uh, would Jamie come see it? Uh, no, because it'll be too late for Mackenzie. Oh, okay. And I don't think Mackenzie's Wait, actually... What's GJ's for? Not on a Thursday. Oh, uh, okay. So I'm... Gigi's I'm, got her bingo. I get it. Gigi got to go work, man. She has to fund <laughs> these kids. They're expensive. They are, man. They are. So yeah. um, I, what I was thinking is I'm trying to decide between 2D or IMAX. Oh, and, dude, or IMAX 3D all the way. or 2D. 3D or 2D, okay. I should say. 2D and IMAX or 3D on regular screen. And I'm leaning on towards 3D because my... I'm a 3D kind of guy. I'll talk to Andrew and see what she wants to do because she went and saw Rambo with me. Last Blood. Did you? I, yeah, she went and saw it with me. Oh, I looked dude. at her. I, I looked I, at her at one point and I go, I guess I got to go see. Uh, at first, I look over and I go, You're a good wife. I love you. Because it was a scene where. Have you seen it yet? Dude, we talked about it on the podcast. Okay. I've had All church right. planners reach out to me and go, Thanks to you, I went and saw Rambo Last Blood. That's rad. Were they happy? Yes. Okay. Who who could not be happy about that movie? Okay, but, you know, okay, I don't want to ruin the ending, but that thump, 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 thump at the end, that was over-the-top cheese ball. Wait. That was over-the-top cheese ball. But the rest of the movie I don't know what the thump, 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 thump was. You know how he deals with the bad guy at the end? Thump, 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 thump. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was like, no. He said, no, it's so cheesy. Are you kidding me? That's the reason why it's such a great movie. And the, and the monologue at the end, you know, that's why I will always be here to defend the ones I love. And you're like, but dude, you're, no, wait, but that doesn't work. That doesn't fit what is actually happening in this scene. I was going to be around it. The, uh, he had birth to himself. <laughs> <laughs> dude, no. The thing that is so great about everything that happens at his farmhouse is there is like, under no circumstance, at no moment in time, is his life in jeopardy. Even when he's shot, he's been shot in so many movies before that. It was like it's a flesh wound. You know, it was like nothing. Yeah, he was yeah. in. He was never in jeopardy. Yeah. No, it's funny you say that because yes, Rambo has survived worse wounds than that. Um, it. I have to say. The, the, you know, as soon as the movie opens and I see those tunnels, I'm like, okay, I know what's going down here. All right. You know, you just know. Like, it, it wasn't like a fine piece of cinema, but it was fun. I have oh, to say, it was, it was kind of like the 80s. It was like, this is just fun. I don't even, you know, my brother's combat infantry and he laughs. I told him, Mom, I'm going to go see Rambo with Andrea. And he laughs and goes, yeah, because, you know, and he's a fan. But he goes, yeah, because, you know, there's nothing more realistic than a 70-year-old man taking on a small army. <laughs> I'm just saying it, it was great. Like, you don't watch that movie going, I want a great storyline. Nope. That was the first nope. movie. Every nope. movie since then has been about the action. Right, right. 
No, it was good. I, I thought it was a, a, a pretty decent send-off for him. You know, if that's going to be the final one. If that's that. the key line there, if it's going to be the send-off. But you see, he this always is what I said says on, it is. This he is what we said on is. the podcast last time when we discussed it. When they showed the clips of all the other movies yes, at the very that end, that was did epic. you notice how they kind of skipped over uh, the third movie? The one in Afghanistan. That was when they were like, eh, we're going to show you one. Okay, good. Now let's just keep going. Let, they let's showed everyone it real forget quick, though. that that happened. You, they real did quick. put it in there real quick. Real quick. Like, we got to give it a nod, but then that was it. It was like, okay, yeah. that's it. That's enough of that movie. Let's go on to the rest. They they spent a lot of time on the very first one. That was I, the one that they showed the most images. Well, of. that's because it's the best of all of them. Of course. Of course. Last yeah, night you know, I watched. You know I've uh, married well. Last night, I watched, last night I watched Rocky Balboa. So good. Yeah. Such really a good, good film. Really ah. good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that is just, that is, so that one and Rocky one are kind of like the two pieces of really good filmmaking. And he's good. You know, I noticed, so when I was watching the end, I was like, I liked all the movie. I just thought the end was a little cornball. And I was like, okay, but you know, it was, it was fine. Um, but, I, I looked and I saw it wasn't directed by Stallone. And I was a little sad by that. I was a little bit like, you know, I would have loved to have seen one more film directed. Because I actually think he's a fantastic director. Huh. So. Yeah. When you think about that, dude, he wrote yeah. that stuff. He, yeah. So, anyways. All right. So, let's uh, let's move into today's topic. Uh, let, me, let me actually go over here. Uh, where are you, Doc? Doc Brown. Here we go, Doc. Great Scott! It's time for this week's topic! Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. I, I do have to share one little tidbit about okay. Stallone before we go on. Um, there's a, a, a YouTube video with Stallone and Schwarzenegger and how they they both share in these interviews how they, they hated each other's guts. Who? And Stallone and Schwarzenegger back in the day. They oh, were okay. so jealous of each other. And, you know, they, they were always compared to one another, and they, they, they had this rivalry. And um, so it was kind of like, who could who could kill the most people in the movie? And you can see that, like with Cobra, and you know, had the highest body count of any movie. They were trying to outdo each other on, like, how ripped each other was, you know, how, uh, you know, because Stallone would get super ripped. He'd never be as big as Arnie. But he could get super ripped, and so they would, they would kind of have these things. And then, um, you know, uh, he does Rambo, Schwarzenegger does Commando. You know, like there's all this doom, doom, doom back and forth to each other. And um, and and what happened was Schwarzenegger says that he actually uh, started sabotaging um, Stallone's films. What he would do is he would have his agent put the whispers out while certain movie roles are going, if you don't take it, Arnold's going to. Things like Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, <laughs> Tango and Cash, all these movies that were terrible that Stallone was in. And Stallone's like, oh, Majin kept saying, uh, he's a shoo he's a shoo if you don't take it. So he started taking these out of jealousy. And then meanwhile, you know, Schwarzenegger, he took some pretty, he took like, you know, red heat and he took some stinkers as well. But, um, but, you know, eventually Stallone's getting like Terminator and, you know, uh, some great films, but, uh, but basically it was a rivalry and they realized, you know, that rivalry helped kind of push us 
uh, Schwarzenegger turned around in an interview and said, without Stallone, I wouldn't be where I was today because he pushed me on. He made me work hard. Um, that rivalry was healthy. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool, you know, just like uh, because now they're super good friends. They love each other. Um, but uh, but back then, man, it was it was cool. And so they they make the point. They say we realize at a certain point we weren't competing with one another. We were competing with ourselves. We're we're in a different place mentally now. So that was kind of cool. Cool, cool. So uh, let's actually get into today's topic. Uh, and just so you know, I got about twenty minutes. Oh, okay, all right. So church planner, when you're oh, you're kind of short short today. Yeah, I'm well, it's short. an afternoon podcast. That's how it works. Oh, I see. This isn't the From Concealment podcast. By the way, I was told to point out that my choice cuts go to the Ministry Ninja podcast. That's That was that was my... Uh, I, I was told by Barry Waters to mention... No, I was just going to say, no one cares what Barry thinks. <laughs> I literally was about ready to say that. I got my one piece of hate mail. He's my co-host on the other show, along with Andrea. So if you ever want to hear what it sounds like to be married to me, check that out. Okay, getting into our topic. So, Pete, obviously, yourself being a sexist, um, we have to address the elephant in the room. And, of course, I'm teasing everybody. Pete knows I'm teasing, but you guys may not. But uh, recently, um, John MacArthur, Johnny Mac, um, made the statement that Paula White, or no, not, not Paula White. Yeah. That would be a different. Beth Moore. Well, we were talking about that, weren't we? So, so people confuse the two. Paula White is a televangelist who is prosperity gospel, false teacher, yada, yada. Whereas Beth Moore is a very conservative Southern Baptist complementarian woman who teaches the Bible. Now, she happens to be a number one bestseller, happens to be very popular, and uh, has a vast ministry to women, but is not a head covering wearing Southern Baptist, but a Southern Baptist nevertheless. And it, she has been in and out of controversy. And, and I feel like she's being victimized personally. Um, poor, poor lady who's just trying to teach the Bible to a bunch of women. Her pastor uh, did the scandalous thing of having her teach on Mother's Day about motherhood. <gasps> you know, and uh, and like Joker says in The Dark Knight, everyone just starts losing their minds, you know. So that went all around. And, um, and recently, John MacArthur was asked about, you know, Beth, what do you think of Beth Moore? Because, you know, it's kind of a stalwart of the reform. Uh, what it was tradition. exactly was he's speaking at a conference or something like that. And they said, okay, we're going to say two words and we want you to say the first two words that pop into your mind. And so he was the very first person up and they said, Beth Moore. And he said, go home. Like that, that was, and then, you know, that was what started the whole thing. Oh. Oh, so it's so much more painful. (laughs) (laughs) It makes it just so much more painful. Um, Yeah. That's Um, why I was saying, you know what? If he didn't have a track record of this, which he kind of does. He does. If he he didn't have a track record, I would have said, you know what? Someone just caught him off guard and said, you know, hey, tell us what you think about this. Well, most people would apologize if they were caught off guard and they're like, look, it just jumped into my head. You said the first thing. I don't know why I said that. She's great. You know, um, I, I just I guess it was kind of funny at the time, but I realize it, it hurts feelings and confuses people. And I'm sorry, guys. Could you just maybe forgive me a little bit? And um, but that's not the case. And that's not what happened. And that's not what he feels. So, you know, funny enough, I read a book by him years ago called Rocking the Rolls. And it was 
I mean, I've been accused before, my wife, occasionally, when I tell her, hey, doing the dishes is women's work. No, I'm teasing. I don't say that. But um, I, I will sometimes, you know, just goof off with my wife because I, I help around the house. And it's not like the housework is her deal because she's a woman. We're grown adults and we both got to look after the house. and We share that housework. And so, um, but occasionally I'll make a joke or whatever. And she'll be like, oh, you 1950s man, you know. And she knows I'm teasing and it's lighthearted and it's no big deal. And she'll... Um, tease me about things about being a man. We're not hypersensitive. If you're hypersensitive about that stuff, um, you, you would make it in our house because we joke about stupid stuff like that. But that said, um, you know, I mean, it was a diatribe of 1950s men. It was, it was basically saying like, he, he would float out statistics like, well, you know, uh, adultery has skyrocketed statistically since women, uh, went went to the workplace. Well, well yeah, duh. You put, you put men and women around each other, that happens. But should we then segregate men and women at church too? Because prior to the workplace, that was the place where people mixed the most, right? Neighborhood functions. You don't want to get these, you know, uh, these, these people with, you know, X and Y chromosomes together because, you know, the hormones, you know, like, yes, obviously people, uh, you know, if you put them in working environments together, that will, you know, increase that. But his point was, therefore, see, see, women should be in the home. That was his whole whole point. And men should be in the workplace. And, you know, there's a lot of sexism in the church. There's no way around it. There's racism. There is, and I'm, and I'm not saying there's racism under every bush. I mean, this week I put a podcast, a, a Facebook post up, and A. David, our our good friend, um, you know, was showing um, uh, Trey Gowdy, um, you know, reach out to to Mister Cummings and say, "Hey, I really appreciate him," and yada yada. And what was amazing was A. David came in with a perspective. He's like, "Hey, man, look, I got to call this out because that's great and all, but let me tell you what it looks like on the ground in South Carolina. I see hypocrisy here, yada yada, and." A. David is the kind of guy where when that comes from him, I listen because I know who he is. And I, I know that nothing's a knee-jerk reaction with that dude. He's thought through it carefully. He's thought through it biblically. He has the right attitude for reconciliation. But he was like, hey, there's more. It's a, it's a little bit deeper of an issue. And I think in the same way that there's racism that we're, and I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh, I'm racist because, you know, not saying that. What I'm saying is there are issues here that don't get addressed. And that's what A. David was raising. And I'm, and I'm pulling that into this with sexism. Um, there are uh, issues of sexism, and some of it is theology. You know, uh, some people have theology that says, and I, I was here for a long time, that says, oh, you know, we, we each have our place, God-given, and we must stick to it. And so that is where... Um, John MacArthur's coming from that tradition of women will not be elders, women will not be this, women will not be that. And yet, one person posted and said, even if John MacArthur were right theologically, that kind of verbiage to say that to a woman, first off, right? Like, there is something to be said for being a gentleman. And, but secondly, as a leader, and thirdly, just as a Christian, like, do you really say that to somebody? You know, right. 
go home. So it's it's caused controversy. As far as I'm concerned, there's not been any public apology, and I doubt very much that there will be. Well, I don't think he thinks he did anything wrong. So right, correct. And that that's kind of the concern. I think I think that's what's upset people is, you know, again, we live in a world where um, things are seen to be. You know, we hear about white privilege and. For some people, it's like red rag to a bull. They hear the term white privilege and they, they go nuts because they get all defensive. But um, John MacArthur, let's just be honest, he is in his position because he is a good Bible teacher, sure. But were he a female, he would not be in that position, right? Whatever the reasons for that are. So is there a male privilege? Yes, there is, undoubtedly. Um, Paul, uh, i got to stop saying Paula. Beth Moore! <laughs> Beth Moore, good. Paula White, bad. You know, we'll just put it in Frankenstein terms there since it's Halloween. But uh, Beth Moore, she is, uh, she is doing the same thing. She is an expositor of the word. She is a biblically-based Bible teacher who obviously aims her, you know, teaching at women. Um, and he's, for whatever reason, unknown to us, I guess that's too much. Right? Like that somehow it's woman keep your place. And that's what seems to be at the root of this that I see as a major problem. I am theologically um, liberated on this issue. Um, but I, I understand those people that aren't, that are theological. I'm not going to be, we, we don't choose our convictions. We read the word, we make a judgment, we, we think we know what it says, and we go from there. For those of you that hold that conservative role that are saying, hey, I'm just trying to be true to scripture, I get you. But there is a latent sexism, and this is not an issue of what women can and can't do. Beth Moore's not done anything that women can't do. Beth Moore's done what women, even from the most theologically conservative standpoint, can do. Women can teach other women. They're commanded to do that in Titus. So how are are we not, like, it's sexism. Wherever you fall on the issue, it was a sexist comment. Hmm. Hmm. You can't. You can't just do that. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't After really know. After doing podcast. Well, yeah, my <laughs> first thought was, like I said before, I, I think it it could have just been a knee jerk reaction. Except he's got a history of that, and like, why would you do that? Like, why? How does it serve? Right. How does it benefit? The church in any way, the people of the church. Right. Well, it encourages this kind of behavior, right? Like, yeah. there's a point at which, like, Paul, gosh, dang it. <laughs> Afternoon podcast. Beth Moore. Um, there, there's a point at which, you know, like, like Wesley, my favorite quote from him, you know, is when the guy's walking one of his opponents who, you know, Wesley was a meathead at times, and he's my hero. But Wesley was walking down the street, and that guy says, I never give ways to, way to fools. And Wesley steps around him and walks around him and smiling says, I always do, you know, and just walks right around him. And, you know, that's funny. It's to the guy's face. It's one-on-one. The guy was being a jerk. Wesley was an amazing intellect, had an amazing comeback. Um, and we laugh because that's just, you know, two guys being meatheads. We can laugh at that. Beth Moore was minding her own freaking business. She wasn't doing anything, dude. And I could just imagine being her husband and being like, hey, John, um, 
you punched my wife verbally in the face for no reason. I am her husband. I am her protector. I have a problem with that. And you need to be a man and knock it off and apologize. Like, I'd, I'd be taking him on. If that were my wife, dude, I'd be, I'd be having something to say, you know? Because hmm. it, it, even if you are a, if you're a sexist, like, be consistent, you know? Treat the little woman like a little woman. Then be a freaking gentleman. If you're going to be old school, be old school, right? Don't, don't start taking women on in public. So anyways, I know I'm mad. This is all coming. My nerve rage is being pushed, but... Um, yeah, that's that's my, uh, you know, there's there's another generation coming up. And I don't want to see them act like that, you know. Yeah, and we've we've talked about on the podcast before um, women in ministry. I mean, we've talked about that a lot, and you know, I definitely grew up hearing one thing, and uh, and and my my beliefs have definitely changed in yeah. reading the Bible and thoroughly reading it specifically going, okay, what exactly is God saying here about roles for men right. and for women? Right. And I I mean, I came to the conclusion after really rereading the new Testament and just really looking at it. I'm like, okay, we've got prophetesses and every time it, right. oh, not every time, but most of the time when it says brothers, it's, there's got a little, you know, footnote and then you look down and it goes, well, it means brothers and sisters. Right. Oh, well, you know, that doesn't fit in with how we we now interpret everything. So we're just going to put that in the footnote. But when Peter was talking, when Paul was talking, they're saying brothers and sisters. But we give this impression that it's just the man talking to the men and the men go home and tell their little their little wife. Here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to run things. And that's not what was actually going down in the early church. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about Romans 16 being a third woman. He keeps calling them fellow workers and greet so-and-so as a church in her house. And um, Well, see, my favorite one is when I brought that up to my mom, and my mom goes, yeah, but that doesn't mean that that she was running the church or, or something like that. And I go, oh, really? So he's saying what's up to everyone else. And then, hey, custodian over there for that church over there. I'm going <laughs> to give you a high five. I'm like, that hey, doesn't you know, even make any sense. The always made my tea. You know, when I went there, no, it wasn't like that. It was, it was. This was someone of significance. This was a a, a woman leader. And and what what's amazing is that every time the spirit moves, and we've talked about this, every time the spirit moves, you see um, there's a rise in the women because the giftings are being you know um, awoken in people, and uh, you you see like with um, the 190405 revival that happened, um, uh, William Booth. That happened. It happens in every revival because the ministry, the church, they don't run church services anymore. It becomes interactive church um, because it becomes interactive. People's gifts are used. Uh, Wesley started seeing all these women preachers preaching the gospel. Even if you're super conservative, you believe in women evangelists. You do whether you know it or not because that does not have anything to do with Paul's Timothy reference. Um, and in fact, the woman at the well brought a whole village to Jesus, right? She went out and said, come here, see a man who told me everything I ever did. And so she was an evangelist. And we have, um, you know, you and I talked, the fastest growing church in the world right now is the churches in the Middle East that are largely led by women. And here, here's my thing, because what I always do is I always like to challenge, uh, I'll have friendly conversations and I don't, 
I'm never hard on people because my wife and I went toe to toe and round and round on this for years where I believed, hey, I'm just trying to be true to scripture. And so I got a lot of time for people trying to work this out. But I tell you where it started to crack for me. Number one was team leadership, where I'm on these teams and I, I need the women there because I, I'm not going to shepherd women. So I'm like, well, I need women shepherds, right? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to take women out. Like I need women evangelists. Like I'm meant to equip the saints, but I don't want to be in these closed quarters with women that aren't my wife and get really touchy feely with them. So, um, it became an obvious deal. Plus, you know, every every eldership team that's only men goes home. They all talk to their wives. Their wives go, what? You're nuts. What are you thinking? Everybody knows this is true. And then they go back and go, hey, guys, uh, I prayed about it. And I uh, think we were wrong. No, it's because, you know, in your marriage, you don't make all the decisions, right? God, the leadership of the home, even though people say, oh, well, headship, you both lead your children. Right. Like, that you, you as the man are the servant leader, correct? You are the servant. That's what leadership means in the New Testament. It doesn't mean you're the authority. It never says that. It means you're the servant. You are responsible to serve your family spiritually and to take the lead in that. But it doesn't, all that, oh, my husband breaks the tie. That's all made up. Um, we made that up. And, and, and the reality is God made male and female perspectives for a reason. So like when you're leading your kids, sometimes you've got the, the wrong end of the stick and your wife's like, oh no, actually, you know what? You're not thinking about this right. And it's the same with leading the church. And I always like to kind of gently push back. I say, hey, you know the head covering passage? There's three passages in the New Testament that seem to, to prevent women from doing things. Number one, from not wearing head coverings or cutting their hair short. And I always say, um, but we say, oh, read the context, right? And because there was a context there. Um, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. There's a context. That's cultural. Then we say, oh, women keep silent in church, right? And we know that that's not literal because, like you pointed out, Philip had five daughters that were prophetesses, which was a public meeting. And when Paul says, therefore, brothers and sisters, when one of you brings a prophecy, as you said, it both. So we know exegetically that women we're not silent in church. So we say, oh, that's cultural. That's cultural. Why then, when we come to the one in Timothy, where Paul says, for I do not permit women to teach and have authority over men, why do we not look at that one and say, well, what was culturally going on here? Why is it okay to give a pass on the other two? But on this one, we go, oh, nope, it's literal. Couldn't, couldn't, be, couldn't be anything going on there. Like, could it be that Paul writing to Timothy in Ephesus the mothership of the other seven churches planted, you know, the seven churches of Asia, where Jesus addresses, uh, you know, that woman Jezebel, who is one of the churches who became a cult leader, a sex cult leader in one of the churches. It couldn't be that this letter was written to deal with that and that Paul's referring generally, yes, to say, hey, Timothy, I wouldn't allow a woman to do. Well, I wouldn't either, right? Like that violates team leadership. The, the first century leadership of the church was team leadership. And right. if you read the elders and deacons uh, descriptions, they each have roles on the leadership. They each serve. And so that's where Paul's fellow workers, you know. So team leadership to me, even if, if I read the most conservative way of looking at that passage, um, women don't teach and have authority over men, nor do I as a man <laughs> go and do a lot of that stuff over women. 
it's kind of like, hey, you know, there's times where women minister best to, to women and men minister best to men. And together we minister, just like in my home, uh, mother and father, we minister as male and female because the two together make up the image of God. And so that that's my quick. We have two minutes left, don't we? So we do. That's my diatribe. But that that's my little potted thing that I like to, you know, if you're if you're working through that stuff today, that that's just kind of my um, thing that I would say, you know, um, think that through a bit. You know, I maybe, think, maybe there's more going on. I think if you're going to think that through though, and you're really going to spend some time focusing on that, then you're probably going to need some help with payroll and workers comp. And, uh, oh, dude, totally. And you know what? It's so rad because when you're studying all that pastoral theology and trying to get the, the roles together, and even reading John MacArthur's Rocking the Rolls books, tells your wife, you know, get back in the, in the kitchen, woman. Um, when you're doing all that stuff, which, sorry, that's a bad joke, but, um, but no, his book does say that stuff. So when, when you're doing all of this research and study, you need to get in touch Pete, with simplifiedchurch.com. Wait, what was that again? It's called SimplifiedChurch.com. SimplifiedChurch.com. Yeah, it means that they do all that stuff for you. They do all of your bookkeeping, all your uh, payroll, all of your uh, IRS compliancy. And uh, they've been awesome uh, sponsors of this podcast for a good many years, Pete. So head on over to SimplifiedChurch.com. One last thing, guys. Check out the Ministry Ninja uh, YouTube channel where we have been doing... Uh, ECCU videos, the Church Planning and Money Show. And uh, I'm on there with Kurt Blake, um, Church Planning Specialist for ECCU. And uh, we've been talking about the Beatitudes of Budgeting. So check that out. What are you, little Wolfman Jack there? Do you like that? Because it's Halloween, you know? I guess you gotta, so. You gotta I guess so. Not bad for an afternoon podcast, you know. Sign us well, out. So, uh, hey. hey. Just uh, remember, everyone, if uh, you want to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing, you got to do something. And I can't remember your tagline. <laughs> I tried to take it that over, was, I couldn't hey, remember That's it. good enough. That's good enough. If I you want to reach one's it. Numbers, it. you need to go where no one's going, do what nobody's doing. There you Out. Go. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music